Proverbs chapter 6. As we continue in Proverbs, the sayings of a wise man, of course, these are the sayings of God. That's where he got these sayings. This is the inspired word of God. Proverbs chapter 6, my son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Do this now, my son, deliver thyself when thou art come into the hand of thy friend. Go, humble thyself, and make sure thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter, and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. Which having no guide, overseer, or ruler... Provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. He winketh with his eyes, he speaketh with his feet, he teacheth with his fingers, Frowardness is in his heart, he deviseth mischief continually, he soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly, suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and running to mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart, tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. When thou wakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. To keep thee from the evil one, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? So he that goeth into his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her shall not be innocent. Men do not despise a thief if he steal to satisfy his soul when he is hungry. But if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance of his house. But whosoever committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth that destroyeth his own soul. A wound in his honor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. For jealousy is the rage of a man, therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom, neither will he rest content, though thou givest many gifts." The title of this tonight is simply, Discretion Shall Keep Thee. Discretion Shall Keep Thee. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word. And I pray as we look into the word of God, I pray that we would uh, allow you to teach us and instruct us. Might we truly hear what the Lord saith unto my soul this evening. Give us attendance to your word. May you be glorified in, in your church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
know, this chapter is really a continuation all the way from chapters 1 and 2. And it's giving, and, and particularly from chapter 5, as we consider this tonight, chapter 5, in verses 1 and 2, where he tells us that we're to attend unto wisdom and regard discretion. And we said last week that that word discretion means to be judicious in one's conduct or speech. In other words, you're careful and you judge or examine your conduct and the things that you say. And that's the idea of discretion. So you're careful uh, in, your, in your manner of life, in every area of life. That would cover everything. It's kind of comprehensive. And, of course, when we think about giving regard to, to discretion, it means to attend to, to heed it, or to observe it. And so tonight, I want to notice several things. First of all, the, this will keep you, discretion shall keep thee from being surety. Being surety. Or, we might say in this way, being liable. If you notice in verses, and really this is what verses 1 through 5 are about. My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thine hand with a stranger, thou art snared. The word surety means to be liable liable for another, and most, most often it's referred to being liable for a debt. We would say it this way, co-signing. You know, if you co-sign for somebody, if they fail or not, guess who's stuck with it? You are. And they don't care if you didn't, were the actual person that was supposedly the loan was for. The, the debtor doesn't care what the, 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 the excuses you may make or whatever. All they want is that bill paid, and if that guy doesn't pay it, you're responsible for it. So it really has the idea of being a lie. It can be a debt, it can be a crime, or for another's words. But it is a snare. It is a snare. He says you are snared uh, with the words of thy mouth. You know, we, we make those things, those agreements, first of all, with the word of the mouth. That's where things start. Uh, used to be men, men, you know, nowadays you, people sign contracts and, you know, you have to have, spell every little detail out. Uh, but used to be a handshake was good as gold, you know. But, but now, uh, of course, it's contracts. And so you can be snared, he said, with the words of your mouth. The word snared means lured into or entrapped. Uh, sort of like an animal that gets caught in a snare. They're lured into that. And uh, I did it, went with a guy one time in Maine, when we were in Maine, uh, to check his snares. And we went out in the mountain, and I, there wasn't any of those that were caught in the snare that ever got out. In fact, the more they fight the snare, the tighter it gets. Uh, one, one commentator said this, so, quote, Although we have no information on Israelite laws of surety, Caesar, uh, seizure of assets and home and even the selling of the debtor into slavery were common penalties for failure to make payment. And the co-signer could well have met the same fate. Unquote. So he says you're snared. He says you're also taken uh, with the words of the world. And the word taken here means to be captured or, or the idea of seized or taken into. You can be taken into this. And it's easy to get taken into things. You know, it can be a lot of different things. I had a guy call me one night. He shot two deer. Oh, I like deer. Problem is, he was a felon. And he didn't have a deer license. 
He shot, he, he called me, he told me he shot these two deer, and he said, they're really nice does, and he said, uh, we said, uh, I don't really have any place to do anything with them, and he said, uh, so, you know, if you would come help me with these, I'll give you the deer. I said, I'm sorry, but uh, number one, you're not supposed to have a gun. Number two, you don't have a license. I said, if I get involved with this and you get caught, I'm in trouble too. Sorry, I can't help you. But thank you anyway. You know, we have to be careful how we, how we, how we, you know, he wanted, he wanted me to help him with the deer and he would give them me, you know, that, that I, I would have used the deer meat, but I wasn't getting into that. That was an entrapment. It could have been an entrapment. Could have been taken in with that. Proverbs 22, 7 says, The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. And so he warns here against being taken in for surety because a borrower is servant to a lender. You become a servant to whoever that is owed. Uh, Proverbs eleven fifteen says, He that is surety for a stranger shall smart for it. Now, Proverbs chapter 6 talks also about a friend, but here it says of a stranger, he says you'll smart for it. And he that hateth suretorship is sure. And the word smart means to be hurt or be afflicted. Uh, and he is, not, he is not saying we don't ever help anyone but in situations like this, but it ought to be approached with utmost caution and investigation. You'd better make sure your friend. That's what he says here in verse 3. Do this now, my son, deliver thyself when thou art come into the hand of thy friend. Go humble thyself and make sure thy friend. And the words there, make sure thy friend, means you need to urge upon him and make sure, urge it, make, make, and almost fiercely so that he better take care of what you're helping him with. That he is a genuine friend that isn't going to let you hanging. You know, I've had people help me, and I'm thankful for it. But, you know, we have to be careful. You know, Proverbs uh, 17, several other verses have to do with shortership in Proverbs. Proverbs 17 and verse 18 says, A man void of understanding striketh hands and becomes shorty in the presence of his friend. Proverbs 20, verse 16 uh, take his garment that is surety for a stranger and take a pledge of him for a strange woman. So, so he says here, you, you take something uh, as collateral. You know, I had, I had lent the guy some money one time, but he gave me something on collateral. Remember in Maine, a guy gave me, uh, he had a tool set and he needed some money to pay a bill. And it was soon after we got there and um, he, he said, I'll, I'll give you this. It was a really nice ratchet set. And uh, he said, I'll give you this until I pay the money back. I said, okay. Um, so that's the idea of taking a pledge. Uh, Proverbs 22, 26 and 27, again, says, Be not thou one of them that strike hands, or of them that are surety for debts. If thou hast nothing to pay, why should he take away thy bed from under thee? You, know, you better make sure before you do that that you have the means to take care of it if the other person defaults. 
or they're going to take your bed, which means your house. So, so he cautioned strongly against suretyship. You know, Proverbs or Psalm 112 verse 5 says, "A good man showeth favor and lendeth; he will guide his affairs." And here's our word: discretion. Discretion. In other words, being careful and judicious, making good decisions based on uh, sound judgment. You know, too often we act or say and we don't think. We make promises that in reality we don't, don't, don't think we're going to have to keep. You know, Proverbs twelve thirteen says, The wicked is snared by the transgression of his lips, but the just shall come out of trouble. You know, too often we say things, we don't mean them. We just say things. Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool uttereth all is mine, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterward. Proverbs 29, 20, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than him. And Ecclesiastes 5, 2 says this, Be not rash with thy mouth. Let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. You realize everything you say is before God? It's not just to a person, it's before God. So, let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God, for God is in heaven and upon earth, therefore let thy words be few. So, we need to be careful what we say. One commentator said this, quote, If thou pledge thyself on behalf of another, thou takest the burden off of him and placest it on thine own shoulders, and when he knows he has got one to stand between him and the demands of law and justice, he will feel little responsibility. His spirit of exertion will become crippled, unquote. And so often people give this big sob story about how rough they've had it and why they can't and why they need help. Do you know what I find most often? Most people are in the place they are because they put themselves there. I mean, I have a lot of people ask me for things. You know, I'm a pastor. People come to churches all the time. Now, they don't seem to bother me much anymore because I don't live close here, I guess. Maybe I don't know. But, you know, if I lived over here, probably, you know, do you ever get a knock on the door? But, you know, people used to come. When I, when you were in Maine, I mean, we had people knocking on our door all the time. They always drove nicer cars than we. Begging for money. Of course, I do get emails, you know, buy my children Christmas gifts and all this stuff, you know, where they go. Foul 13. They go in the trash bin. Um, you know, we all hear this thought. In fact, I was just, and I don't know why I saw this today, but I was just reading this thing today about, you know, these people that stand out along the, the, at the corners of the, of the busy streets with their signs, you know, begging for money. And a lady saw a lady who appeared to be pregnant and a little boy with her doing this for weeks at this gas station. And then one day she was there, she was watching for a little while, and Mercedes-Benz, a nice Mercedes-Benz, came driving by. She jumped in, and they took off. So she followed them. 
And her and the guy who picked her up and the little boy who should have been in the seatbelt somewhere were sitting in the front seat counting all their money. It turns out that was a scam. She wasn't even pregnant. You know, the, the, it was a little long story, but it turns out that they did some investigation after they, she posted a lot of stuff online that did some investigation, and it was a scam to get money. The guy that they were, they were uh, illegal immigrants making money off America. This was in California, you know. But, you know. Uh, so discretion will keep thee from being surety or liable. Second thing we notice here is it'll keep thee from being a sluggard. Notice verse 6. By the way, these are related. These two things are related. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise, which having no guide over a seer or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou rise out of sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and they want as an iron man. So, you, discretion will keep thee from being a sluggard. sluggard. You know, we need to consider, he says that we need to consider the ant. You know, it's kind of humiliating that God tells us, why don't you go look at the ant? Why don't you get some instruction from the ant? It shows the degeneration of man. Uh, I mean, if we were left to ourselves, we wouldn't do anything we didn't have to do. But, no, he says here, you're to consider the ant and be wise. Uh, we need to be motivated like the ant. The ant doesn't depend on someone else to tell them what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. They take responsibility. They provide for their own. You know, 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. So we need to be motivated. This aunt is motivated uh, because she knows that she has to provide for her own. And we need to learn to be responsible to provide for ourselves. It's called responsibility. It's one of the blessings of growing up. You have to become responsible. You and Nathan used to say every once in a while, you know, this this. Growing up isn't all that was cracked up to be. <laughs> I think he likes it. But, you know, it, it, it has its downside. You know, you have to be concerned about taking care of yourself now. You don't have, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't have worry in the world. That wasn't my problem. Now it is, see. And, of course, every one of us will give an account of ourselves to God. So it takes initiative. We, initiative is putting into action to begin to set to get, to, get, to get going. And so uh, we need to, to be motivated. We need to prepare for future needs. Don't just live for the day. Verse 8 says, Provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. Now, you see, the ant knows it has a need for food in the winter. An instinct tells her that there is not food available in the winter. She can't gather it in the winter. She has to gather it in the summer. Just gather it in the summer. And she can't have, depend on somebody else to make it happen. Of course, this requires planning. 
has to have a plan. Somebody is, you know, the old saying is, if you shoot at nothing, you will hit it every time. You know, and of course, plans need to be reasonable, but we need to have a plan. We need to have, we need to prepare for our needs that we will have, for future needs, to provide for our own. Uh, Notice also there's a sluggard sleeps. Somebody said they sleep like lazy dogs, like transient bums. They spend as they make and live for today. That's, that's a sluggard. Uh, kind of reminds me of a guy that I knew. I worked for his brother while well, he worked for his brother too. Him and his brother were both bachelors. And, and one time, I think it was the first time I ever met this, this, this guy. I was still at home. And he shows up at our house, and I didn't know who he was. And he said, well, I'm your mom's cousin. And uh, they, everybody called him. His name was Bill, but everybody called him Little Bill because he was little. But he was, he was the youngest of his family, large family. But anyway, he was a spoiled brat. But, uh, but anyway, he, he told me, and this is what he told me the first time I met him. He said, uh, he said, I work for my brother Mark. But he said, I don't work like you do. I just work when I want to. I thought, boy, that's a strange thing for an adult man to say. I don't know what to say to that, you know. I was probably only 19 years old at the time. But he said, I only work when I want to. And, and what, what, he, what he meant by that is, and this is what he did, he'd work for his brother for a little while until he got a little money, then he quit. And then he just, he, and his brother had a house that he lived in there on, on his farm, a little trailer, and so he'd usually live there, or or sometimes he would go, like one time he went down to Lancaster and, and rented a little cheap apartment or something, lived next to his other brother down there, and, you know, and he'd just drive around and vacation the whole time, maybe for a year or two, till he'd run out of money. And then he'd come back to his brother, and his brother would give him a job, whether he needed him or not. <laughs> you know, that's called, if you notice there in verse uh, Eleven. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. You live like that, and you're soon going to be in want. Like one that just travels. Bible has Proverbs has much to say about the sluggard. Proverbs ten verses four and five. He says, He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. But the hand of the diligent maketh rich. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. Proverbs chapter twelve, verse twenty-four. Proverbs twelve twenty-four. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute or under slavery. Uh, verse twenty-seven. The slothful man roasteth not with that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. Remember the guy who shot the two deer? Guess what he did with them? Nothing. Nothing. He let them rot. Proverbs 13, verse 4. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Proverbs 19, 15. The slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. And chapter 20, verse 13, again, 
Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Open thine eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. And then 23, 21, it says, uh, For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and the drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. You know, slothfulness or laziness will cause a lack of necessities in your life. It'll bring you to want. Somebody said, quote, The lazy man will find that poverty and need come upon him quickly. The sluggard loves to procrastinate, thinks, thinks things can always be done later. The hard worker can look forward to later. The lazy man, it will come like a prowler. When it comes, it will be your poverty, not one imposed by circumstances or misfortune, but through laziness, unquote. And so discretion will keep thee from being a sluggard. Thirdly, it will keep thee from the destruction of the wicked. Notice verse 12. A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh, walketh with a froward mouth. You know, the word froward means perverse, corrupt. You know, it, it could be immoral, but not necessarily immoral. But, you know, it's perverse or it's twisted. And he says that we are to, of course, we are to avoid these kind of people. Proverbs 4 tells us that, that we ought to avoid these kinds of people. But, you know, he says they are, they are froward. Uh, we, would, we would describe somebody like this today as a good-for-nothing smart mouth who thinks he's cool. We've got a lot of those in the world, don't we? They often have a high opinion of self and rather others down. So like, you know, somebody might, the guy may, you know, some people may make an excuse, well, it's not my fault. You know, you know, I'm not saying the guy ever said this, but he could have said, it's not my fault, I'm a felon. Never mind, they set somebody's house on fire. But, you know, uh, it's not my fault. Well... And they speak with arrogance and pride. Notice verses 12 through 14, or verse 13, 14 says, He winketh with his eyes, he speaketh with his feet, he teacheth with his fingers. Frowardness is in his heart. In other words, this, this perverseness or this corruptness or this twistedness is in every aspect of his life. Whatever his hands do, And his feet take him. Froward, it says, Frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. He soweth discord. You know, sower of discord is one that causes division. One that causes division. And these, of course, the Bible says that this naughty person, this wicked, think, you know, a naughty person is one that thinks up mischief or evil. Uh, they, will, they will come, they will come to calamity. Notice verse 15. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. You know, these kind of people are always looking for a way to beat the system. 
they're going to beat the system. They're going to find, <clears throat> they're going to find a way around doing what is right. They're going to find a way around obeying the law. And they're going to find a way around trying to obey the law of God, too. But God says their calamity shall come suddenly and shall be broken without remedy. And then if you notice what follows this, and we often pull these, what, five verses out of this context. And they do have some very, very um, pointed teaching. But verses 16 through 19, I guess it's three verses, four verses. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Well, look at verse 14. Frowardness is in his where? Heart. He deviseth mischief continually. That's the same idea as a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift and run into mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. And these are the things that God hates. We, 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 have a, we have a mindset today in Christianity that God doesn't hate anything. I'm going to take it a step further. We have a mindset that God doesn't hate anyone. But you know what Psalm 11.5 says? The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Now, in Proverbs, not Proverbs, Psalm 91, I think it's verse 3, says, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. There ought to be some things that we hate, because there are a lot of things that God hates. And God hates wickedness. And he hates those that loveth violence. And I believe that there's a, there's a connection here to those that loveth violence. You know, when you think about the, the, the pre-flood condition of man and when his heart was only evil continually. And it got so bad that God hated them and destroyed them. You see, I believe that there's a, there's a point where man can become... And he crosses over a line where there's no hope. There's no hope. They're given to wickedness. Maybe that's what he's referring to here when he says, him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. God hates those that are given to wickedness. They're not, they have no desire or no, no inkling, even you know, a little bit, to a fear of God. They're completely given over to wickedness. We would call it today the unpardonable sin. I believe that's what the Pharisees had committed in their day. You know, they had the they had the Son of God standing in their midst, declaring Himself to be the Messiah, and yet, time and time and time and time again, they refused to believe who He was. We will not, you know, we will not believe you. Basically, is what they said. And so, 
Psalm 7:11 says this, God judges the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. God's angry with the wicked every day. You know, we ought, this ought to challenge us to be careful how we treat those around us who are made in the image of God, for whom Christ died, and, how, and those that God places under care. You know, Psalm 2.12 says, Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little, lest all they that put their trust in him. The idea of kissing means to draw near, to love him, to obey him, to turn away from him, to, dis- to rebel against him is to kindle his wrath against us. And discretion will keep us from the destruction of the wicked man, lest it come upon us. What's going to notice the fourth thing? It'll keep thee in the path of righteousness. Verse, verse 20. My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart. Tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. When thou wakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs are instruction of the way of life. So discretion will keep us in the path of righteousness. Your wisdom discretion chooses the right ways of God. You know, it will preserve you. It will give you security in life. You notice verse 2, he says, when thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. When thou wakest, it shall talk with thee. It sounds like, a, to me, what I get from that is, it would be a constant companion, almost like a bodyguard. Having my own personal bodyguard. Wouldn't everyone like to have their own personal bodyguard? Well, let me inform you of something. If you're a child of God... You do. Because John says we're in his hand. We're in his hand. And God worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Uh, so unless it's his will, nothing can harm you. Think about that for a while. Well, you say, no, that's just, it's just the Bible. It's just the Word of God. It's not, you know, something I can see. And... You know, there's power in the Word of God. There's power in it. There's life in there. Hebrews 4.12 says, The Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. I remember Brother Engelhart telling me one time, I think it was last year when they were here, about this older gentleman who was a missionary, and then he had some health problems, so he came back to the States, and he was starting a church, and he's at a, I think it was at a Walmart, with his car, and he's getting out of his car, and this thug come up and tell, told him to give me the keys to your car. And I think he had a knife. I'm not sure if it was a gun. I think it was a knife. Anyway, threatening his life with the keys of his car. And this man said, I'm sorry, sir, but I can't give you the 
you this car. It's not mine. It's the Lord's. And he began to witness to the man. And the guy said, you don't understand. And he, tried to, and he just continued. He said, I'm sorry, it's not mine. It's the Lord's. The Lord gave me this car to use for his service. And, and, he, said, and he just continued to try and witness to him. Yeah. And finally the guy let down whatever he had he was threatening him with. And he said, and the old man says, let me give you a hug. And the guy says, just forget it, and walked away. You see, now you say, well, that's just kind of, did God protect him? Well, I believe obviously he did. You see, notice what it says here. I want you to notice this again. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. When thou wakest, it shall talk with thee. Now, who's the it? Go to Proverbs chapter 8. Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her her voice? Verse 12. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and find out knowledge of witty inventions. Counts, verse 14, counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding and I have strength. Look at verse, drop down to verse 20. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their, their, their treasures. Uh, notice verse 23. I was set up. I was set up from everlasting and from the beginning, or ever the earth was. Drop down to verse 30. Then I was by him as one that brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth, and my delights were with the sons of men. Now, he, he goes from speaking of like a thing to a person. Because chapter 8 is referring to a person, and that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, he is the one that leads us, is with us when we sleep, when we awake, and he talks with us. He does it through his word. But he is a constant companion. By the way, again, if you're saved, you have the Spirit of God living, dwelling within you. He abides in us. And so the power of God is present with us at all times. And that power can overcome any worldly power because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So yes, we do have our own bodyguard. And of course, that word of God is a guard to us. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I what? Might not sin against thee. It's a guard to us. So there's security in the path of righteousness. There's also sanctity of life. If you notice verse, uh, I have a verse, but I didn't write down the verse number. Uh, Verse 23, I think it is. Yeah, verse 23. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. The way of life. Now, 
when the Bible speaks of life, it speaks of, of, uh, of fruitfulness, of blessing, of, you know, when, when it speaks of, of misery and destruction, we're talking about things of death. But it's, it's the way, or that word way means the path, or the roadway, you might say, of life. Psalm 1611 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. That's the path of life, the path of God, path of life. Psalm 22, verse 26 says, The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. Uh, Psalm 36, verses 7 and 8. He says, How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the rivers of thy pleasure. Psalm 37, verse 18 and 19. Again, the Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and the days of famine they shall be satisfied. And, of course, you come to the New Testament, John 10.10, Jesus said, I am come, they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. You see, we're talking about a quality of life. Peace with God, assurance of life forever, not death. Your death simply means separation. You know, and, 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 and to not have life of God is to have eternal death, eternal separation from God. We're talking about not only eternal life, but a quality of life. In fact, you, you, you go to the flip side of that. Isaiah 57, 20 says this, The wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. Now, I, I, as I was thinking about that, I, I thought of this. We had neighbors growing up that were, the, the man was an alcoholic. He'd often, he had a good job. He worked at Fiberglass in Huntington, and they paid well. But he drank. And so oftentimes, on the way home from work, he'd stop at McMurtry's, the bar along 26th there on the way home and get himself sized real good, you know, and then he'd come home and guess what there'd be? There'd be fights and arguments. And he didn't have to be soused for there to be fights or arguments in that house. They were wicked. I mean, our, our farm, they lived right along the road going up to our our house and barn, and we had fields right across the road. And we could be working, picking stone in the fields, and we could hear the arguing and fighting going on in the house. I mean, as a little kid, you know, my, my brother and I, we, our sisters, we'd, we'd, we had bicycles, and we'd ride bikes, and we liked to ride the road, but, you know, we were afraid. Because of the things we heard in there, we were afraid to ride by that house. It was like a troubled sea, constantly. The Bible says that's what the wicked are like. You can imagine having that not only, you know, 
even in your own heart, having unrest or not sure of what's going to happen when I leave this life. That's why so many say it's not worth it to continue living. You see, no, God gives us the path, can keep us, the discretion keep us in the path of righteousness. In fact, if you read the rest of the chapter, really talks about the contrast of the life of the wicked, verses 24 through 35. You know, verses 24 and 25 talks about the pleasure of sin. There's only two verses about that. But the rest of it talks about the misery caused by sin. Like a man, can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? You dabble in sin, and it's going to, you know, a burn is probably one of the most painful things there is. You know, I've done quite a lot of welding in my life, and I've had hot sand in the eyes more than once. That is about the most miserable thing. And, and basically all that is is because you see you've been flashed with your mask up too many times, and you get basically sunburned on your eyes. And you won't know it till the middle of the night. By the middle of the night, you're going to wake up and you're going to think your eyes are on fire. And there's really anything you can do about it. I've also had a hot slag get on my leg or on my or get down in my boot. Well, you don't think that'll make you dance? Ah, uh, you know, burns hurt. You take fire in your bosom, and his clothes be not burned. Verse 29, So he that goeth into his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her, shall not be in us. Do men, does not, men do not despise a thief, they steal to satisfy his soul when he is hungry, but if he found, he should give seven, restore sevenfold. Verse 33, A wound and dishonor shall he get, his reproach shall not be wiped away. You know, there's misery. Sin causes misery in life. But if we will be wise and discreet, allow God to... And by the way, like I said last week, this wisdom is, comes from without us. It's not within us. It's something we get from God. We learn from God His Word through those that teach us, instruct us, and so on and so forth. We get them various... But it all comes from God. Just like our righteousness. We've been made righteousness and we can be made wise as we submit and follow and regard discretion, wisdom and discretion, and keep his ways. So discretion, it shall keep thee. It's a guard. It's like having your own bodyguard. So might we take heed to the judgments and the commandments that he gives that we might be kept from these evils that we see every day in the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time of your word tonight. Thank you for the instruction that it gives us. Thank you for how it 
challenges us, and I pray that you help us, Father, uh, to heed your instruction, your wisdom, uh, Father, that we might make decisions that are based upon righteousness, holiness, that are pleasing to thee, but also beneficial to our good. So, Lord, just give us wisdom and discretion. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.